1: if you dare. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
3: Lombardi Line. This is Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. We're presented by BetMGM. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, he's Michael Lombardi, aka Cougine. As we say, Cousine. Happy Monday to all of you. How you doing, man?
2: I am great. I am great, Patrick. Uh, we are entering into the lying week of the NFL. Everybody doesn't tell the truth this week. Uh, cliches will be relevant mostly here i couldn 't believe he made it to us we 'd shocked that he got there. Remember those lines <laughs> and then we have the, to me the cherry on top tonight is your seventy sixers facing really elimination they 're facing because if they lose tonight it 's over.
3: <laughs> yes, my 76ers. That this team and the Broad Street Bullies. Those are my two favorite teams of all time. Mm-hmm. No, but let me. It is you put your you put your head out we on the line. We have much to cover. I, we have so much, we to, have cover. much to cover. Now, are you still standing by the fact you think the Raptors can come back and win this series?
2: I stand firmly with that. I stand firmly with that. Let me give you the numbers.
3: You might be able to make a bunch of cash when you come out here tomorrow. I'll give you no, the updated numbers. No, there's
2: no there's no cash. It was. Tw- I asked the great Will Hill, the man doing everything. It's 20 to one. It's only 20 to one. How is that possible? I thought it'd be like 1,200 to one. Uh, I'll tell they're you what eight it point is. Eight-point favorites tonight? Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, they're eight-point. It jumped up from seven and a half to eight tonight with the Raptors in Philly. Dybul is back. You feel like that's way too heavy, I'm assuming. Way too heavy. Way too heavy. Here it is. I mean, come on. Yep. Plus 2,000 on the Raptors. So that's a nice little payback if they do come back, uh, Michael Lombardi saying. Now, essentially what you said, to be clear and to be fair to you, you said if the Raptors win today, they go on to win the series. That's what you
2: said. That's right. That's what I said. I mean, tonight's to me the most pivotal game of all. I think, it's, I think the Raptors know that, too. This is the Raptors' moment. They know that if they get this one, they'll beat, they'll, beat them in, they'll beat them in Toronto again. And then it comes down to just having to come back down here one more time. I mean, look, let's be clear. I'm not trying to say this as I hope the negative turns out. Like, this should be a 2-2, game, 2-2 series. It should be. I mean, the Raptors sitting there saying, we let one get away. Okay, we won't let, we won't let another one get away. I don't know if Van Fleet's going to play or where Scotty Barnes is health-wise, but Thaddeus Young, his energy that he brought last week, I think this is it. I think Doc's got to – I think they've got to realize the moment is today. Eight-point favorites, you better get it. Eight points
3: everywhere as I take a look right now. You got a total 210 on the opener, jumped up to 211.5, but you're 100% right. I did feel like we, we had a couple of 7.5 sitting on the board yesterday when we sat on the Lombardi line. It has jumped up to 8, so a little love for your 76ers. Any news on the thumb? It's not a thumb. It's the thumb
2: from Joel Embiid. Well, I mean, look, the, the thumb is, is, it is what it is. Belichick would say it is what it is, right? I mean, like, there's, it's not going to get any worse you got to deal with it. And if you keep talking about it, it's going to weigh in your mind. Like, stop talking about it and move on. Like, if it hurts too much, don't play. If it hurts too much, don't play. You know, but don't use it as an excuse. Like, that to me wasn't why they played poorly. Look at the offensive rebounds that they got in that game last time they played in game four. Look at the energy level of Toronto in that game. And, and with saying all this, as bad as Philly played, Philly could have easily won that game. They were in there. But there's a something about you've got to have that ability to, to, to be the, a killer instinct. You've got to have that competitive fiber. I'm not sure they have it. Van Vliet has been ruled
3: out. The way he's been playing, I think, especially defensively, is such a liability. I think this might no add doubt. to the Raptors because, I mean, you know, think about it. You got Scottie Barnes back. It's Barnes and Siakam as your primary ball handlers. I, I, I think it throws a different look. And it, and they're more, much more competitive defensively without Van Vliet in there because as you and I noted, Van Vliet, he looked labored and he looked chunky, to say the chunky least. Being polite, <laughs> to, we're being nice to, to say the least. So no, we're not. that's and Diable back. You know, to be fair to your 76ers, not mine. To be fair, yeah. they were okay. awesome in Game One and Two. They yep. a dramatic win in Game Three. So there was, before game four, where Embiid was, you know, 43% from the floor, he had five turnovers. Before that, there was some positive 76er vibes building up to it.
2: But they couldn't maintain it, right? All, all game, all series, we said, one of the reasons I like Toronto to win six was this. Philly has a hard time rebounding. When Philly can't control the offensive boards, which they didn't do, they lost 13-6 to six in the last game. That gave them second-chance points, third-chance points. And for a team that didn't really shoot well, I mean, Toronto shot 23% from the three-point line in that game. But they had so many chances. I mean, Thaddeus Young had four offensive rebounds alone in the game. The Sixers only had six total. You know, Embiid only had eight rebounds. To me, the thumb shouldn't affect the rebounding. you got to control the boards. Th- th- Tobias Harris had 11. I mean, they got second-chance points, and they didn't play good defense, so... To me, we're using the thumb as an excuse. I, I don't see it. it either. You can or you can't. Okay. All right.
3: Well, I do appreciate. No teams come back from down 3-0. I do appreciate you putting your neck out there saying this is the this Raptors team will be the first. I, I don't even think you're sandbagging, frankly. I think you truly. I'm not believe. sandbagging. I'm really I know, not. I believe you.
2: Like I've been up. I've been up three to one. Andrew Tony, you know, go to Boston up three one. Couldn't close it out. Game. I mean, I've lived through this existence as a 76er fan. You know, go up 3-1 on Boston, not be able to close it out. I've lived it. But this one, this one is different because this one, easily, you could have said they didn't play well in either game up there. They stole one. You're never stealing two up there. That's why if they win this game, if they win this game, all of a sudden the burden will fall right on the 70s and the pressure will mount on them and it'll be a really hard game for them to overcome
3: yeah remember best of seven two two one 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 so we come back for one here in philly travel back to toronto if they survive uh have you, by the way, have you ever been to a game in Toronto? Have you ever been to a Raptors no, game in look, person? It is, it's off why the charts, those man. all people
2: stand outside. Why do they stand outside? Can't, isn't there a local bar you can go watch the game? Like, what are you doing out there? Back in the like, day, I don't get that one.
3: Back in the day, my friends, we used to drive up. The Pistons would play the Raptors in the postseason. We would drive up there. There isn't, they were the first to install the DJ. So maybe we knock them for that, you know, between plays where you just hear music constantly. They were the yeah. first to do that. But I, I am, when I tell you, cause do you think about them as a hockey town, when I tell you they're Raptor and basketball crazy, it's an understatement. They love the Raptors.
2: But you still can't explain to me why these people they are just, standing they're watching just, the game die. they're billboard. just
3: ride or die. And they, they drink, are they, sell, are they selling booze there yeah, of at course least the are guys, they're They're, like getting the they're, of... they're drinking oh, and then okay. they go to the bars after and they're, they're very, they're amiable people. They're very peaceful. Oh, you came from Detroit. Oh, nice to see you. You know, they're very kind, but <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they will be kind to the 76ers tonight as uh, there you see the series uh, as we can throw that up there. The Raptors coming back the other way, 20 to one. He'd have to lay a pretty big price to make a 100 bucks there on the 76ers. But we see it. And uh, Michael Lombardi not necessarily bullish on his team right now. And you don't look, the one thing we know is Doc doesn't instill confidence in this spot.
2: No. I mean, it's the perfect storm. <laughs> I'm just, you got an you know, beat to injury. Rouse. You got a <laughs> Im- bead injury. You got Doc. You know, you've got a lack of confidence in their team. You got Harden can't take over a game. There's a lot of things going on here, you know. And, oh, by the way, not to change subjects, but let's change. You know, Ben Simmons can't play tomorrow. You know, his back flared up through the night. Isn't that amazing?
3: We are living in a very sensitive time when it comes to mental stability and instability. All of a sudden, everybody's turned on the dude. Because whether it's the injury or the mental health. It's universal. Nobody believes anything he's saying at this point. And that is a very t- sensitive subject these days. I mean, what is going on? So just for those that don't know, he's been ruled out the elimination game tomorrow. Ben Simmons. I mean, they apparently the Nets are exasperated with him. They should be. I mean, it's unbelievable. I
2: don't know why they're surprised. I mean, he, you know, this is who he is. I mean, I he had me conned. I'll be the first to tell you. You know, I thought it was, you know, because I would watch him. And then every time I watch him in a playoff series, I'd be like, you know, th- there's nothing here. We're, we're not getting the player we want that, that is there in the regular season. It's the same, the game. I mean, whether it's Butler has to replace him at the point, T.J. McConnell to replace him. I mean, it just happened all the time. And he conned the seventy. He ran the Sixers organization. He, he ran Butler out of Philly. There's no denying that. And so now he can't play because the game, because the pressure's too great. Uh, I, he can't, I'm sorry. He's not a... I'm sorry. I, I, they should have traded him to Sacramento. Yeah. Where he didn't Brooklyn have any attention,
3: but I mentioned, exactly. I said tomorrow tonight is obviously game four in Brooklyn laying a point. You're hundred percent. Right. And you know what else is weird wearing? Like the clothing is something that people express themselves through attire. I don't have a problem with that, but when you're, when you're ducking everything else yet, you're bringing attention to yourself for what you're wearing. It is. He's a weird cat
2: is a way to put it. He's a weird yeah. cat. Right. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt. I mean, he is a weird cat, and, and the fact that you know he he's wants to be part of the team, but he doesn't want to do anything that's hard. He never. It's never. He never wants to make it hard. He never wants to fight through whether it's working on a jump shot, whether it's do, doing the things you need to do. I mean, he just. I mean, look. I think what the most telling thing of all is we know this. You know, I, I criticize because I think it's criticize. I don't. I evaluate. I tell, Give my honest opinion. I'm not being critical based on personality, I think you have to be able to, if you're in the personnel depart- field, not everybody's a great player, which we'll hear that all week long, how great every player is. However, you know, when the players turn on players, I said this on the podcast today, it's a little bit like, you never hear doctors turn on doc- other doctors. They have a code of ethics between themselves. Ex-players rarely turn on one another. Yeah. And when you start to see the ex-players, Reggie Miller and, and Kendrick Perkins, turn on Simmons, you know it's severe. You know it's bad. Yeah, that's well put. Well put. GM Shuffle, by the way,
3: wherever you get your podcast, you can find it also vison.com When we come back, we do have to discuss a major move in the draft market. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but Trayvon Walker I did. has completely flipped Hutchinson as far as going one overall. We'll come back and get Michael Lombardi's take on that, and then also get We've got to Toronto and Philadelphia, we've got the Jazz Mavs, and of course the early one tonight, Celtics Nets, the Celtics look to close out Brooklyn, we're coming back with the draft next.
1: to the lombardi line on vsin featuring former nfl executive michael lombardi now once again here's patrick maher
3: it's time to download nevada's premier sports betting app that's betmgm sports betmgm has all your favorite wagering options in-game betting boosted dot specials and much more if you're in town here bring that nevada id to an mgm property and you're ready to bet within minutes visit betmgm for terms and conditions must be 21 years or older Physically located in Nevada, it's 1-800-522-4700 if you have a gambling problem. He is Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi Line. We're presented by BetMGM, so I'll go to MGM right now and give you the odds, Michael Lombardi, to go first overall in the forthcoming NFL draft here in Vegas, which, by the way, you can get our draft guide. Go to vcin.com. Uh A great special last night as well. Michael's going to be in town for that. Uh, Trayvon Walker, the Georgia defensive front. He just went to 160 at that MGM to go one. Remember, Hutchinson 10 days ago was minus 250 to go one. So this is a massive flip in the market. Let me get your take.
2: Well, well, we've been saying this for a long time on the show, that there is a debate about Walker. I think I said Walker, I introduced Walker's name a month ago as a candidate for somebody here. Neal, the offensive tackle from North Carolina State. You know, they were all in play here. And from what I'm told, and, and I think we'll get this all be denied after the draft, depending on what they do, um, that Trent Balky, the head of the, the Jacksonville Personnel Department, the general manager, uh, really favors Walker. Length, athleticism, unique skill set, right? Didn't have, only had nine sacks in 29, nine and a half sacks in 29 games, but he does have a unique skill set. And that skill set projects forward, much like he drafted Armstead and Buckner in, in San Francisco, that projected forward. And I think ultimately the front office, the, the ownership, the Con family, Tony and Shaw, maybe they, they wanted Hutchinson. And through the process, I think they've concluded that maybe Walker's the guy. Now, I don't think Doug Peterson really cares one way or the other. I think he's kind of just worried about the offense. But I get the sense that, that, that with these numbers moving, we saw this last year with uh, Trey Lance when his numbers jumped up on draft day, that, that obviously somebody knew something. And I, everybody I keep talking to in the league tells me it's Walker. They've been telling me that for a while now. and But the caveat that they always say to me on the telephone is, Dalkey wants Walker. The ownership wants Hutchinson. We'll see what happens. It's never, it's going to be Walker. And I think it's taken some political capital to get to this point. And obviously, the way these numbers are moving, it seems like it's gone in that direction. Which then makes it easy for your Detroit Lions to turn in the card for Hutchinson. You would think.
3: I have to, believe, yes, you're 100% right, hometown kid. Uh, another book just went to 180 on Walker. So that's a prohibited favorite to go one overall. I have to think the yeah. Khan family. With how much gruff they've taken and now Balky, he, he kind of won out the struggle to stay there. You have to think they're going to say new regime with Peterson and Balky. We'll, we'll stay hands off here. I know Balky's not new, new, but don't you think they're going to allow the football people to make the ultimate decision? That's what, I'm trying to get this message to the better, or you can correct me if I'm wrong there.
2: Well, I think that they they are, but they want analytics to support it. You know, they want analytics. I mean, Tony Khan is very analytical related. And, you know, when Hutchinson has 14 sacks, 15 and a half tackles for losses, 64 pressures, the analytics favor him over Walker, who doesn't have that kind of production and buzz. So, you know, he had six sacks and I think he had 29 pressures. So he doesn't fill the analytical stat sheet, but where he gets them is in terms of the athleticism, right? He gets them in terms of the vertical jump, the speed, the, everything that you need to be an elite rusher. You know. But the one thing I will say is to be an effective great pass rusher in the National Football League, you've got to be able to, to produce in college. It just doesn't come naturally. And more importantly than ever, you've got to tackle really well. We don't talk enough about this. You've got to be able to tackle and get the guy on the ground. And the only way you really can judge tackling is through tackles. It's through tackles. Like Jordan Davis, to me, is an elite guy because what he has two skill sets that no one else in this draft really has. He has the ability to get guys on the ground with just one hand. That's A. And B, he has acceleration off the block point unlike any other. Like when he goes from A to B, he goes there at three hundred and thirty-five pounds at six feet six in a hurry. To me, I don't understand, and I'm having a hard time with this, why why Jordan Davis isn't in the conversation as a top five pick. I, I really don't. I have a hard time with it. I don't know what his numbers are, but to me, he is the potential to be the best pass rusher in this draft, not because I think he's gonna sack the quarterback, because I think he'll push the pocket back.
3: You know, if they throw on that tape of Hutchinson against Georgia, ironically and apropos, we're talking Trayvon Walker. I mean, he disappeared, Michael. He, was not, he wasn't on the field. No doubt. And that's scary. No, he that's, was a, that's a big step up in competition, and that's what the NFL is, and he disappeared.
2: And if you're Balky, you're sitting there saying, okay, I went to Georgia, and I watched the Georgia tape, Georgia's offense. I watched Georgia's offense play against uh, against Michigan, and and G- Michigan, Georgia's offense blocked Hutchinson. Then the coaches allowed me to watch their one-on-one pass rush tapes from the entire season. Walker versus the same tackle that blocked Hutchinson. Okay, so now this is important in scouting because you can compare an apple to an apple. This isn't like now you're comparing Hutchinson against somebody that you don't know. You're seeing Walker rush against the same guy Hutchinson walked. Now you say, well, different because the usually a one-on-one pass rush, the competition's fairly high. It's it's kind of a, a a drill that favors the defense tremendously. But you can get an idea about what this guy can do, and I gotta believe through those tapes balky who I mean balky, you can say whatever you want about balky balky knows talent, he can evaluate talent as good as anybody he sees the he sees the upside of Walker, Plus, he probably feels like look, you know they're gonna they're gonna love Walker in Houston, Houston would take Walker
3: And I think balky, I think San Francisco, what was his record drafting? San Francisco.
2: Well, they, they, Balky's from the Parcellian school. I mean, he wants offense. He drafts defensive linemen. I mean, he the reason they were so successful went to the Super Bowl was they had Buckner drafted him. They had they had uh, they had uh, Armstead. They drafted him. You know, they drafted defensive linemen. They drafted a bunch of them all throughout the draft. That's important. And so I think he feels like he knows defensive Line, he's look. I drafted Buckner. He's one of the best players in the league. I drafted Armstead. He's one of the best players in the league. Now you could say Jim Harbaugh was part of those drafts too. Alden Smith. His first when he first ran the draft the first year. Alden Smith was his guy from Missouri. Now Alden Smith had off the field issues. We know that, but you couldn't get a better pass rusher. And I'm sure, I'm sure that he's saying Walker's as good as Alden Smith. Now the difference between Alden Smith was Alden Smith did it at Missouri. You could see it on tape. He tackled too.
3: So you mentioned kid from Plymouth right outside of Detroit is Aiden Hutchinson, went to Divine Child, which is a great Catholic public school there. Uh, so he is a hometown kid through and through. The problem, and I know somebody that covers, obviously you know more than I, but uh, somebody that covers the Lions says that Campbell is obsessed with Thibodeau. So Dan Campbell loves
2: Thibodeau. I don't know what the rest didn't, of the Lions organization. Didn't Thibodeau, come out, didn't Thibodeau come out and say that Thibodeau is not the kind of guy for his team? I thought that was his quote, wasn't it?
3: Uh, maybe that's subterfuge because now I'm hearing – now I'm here. Like the guy told me Campbell loves Thibodeau. Now Campbell's a wild card. And I don't know what the rest of the front office thinks. Um, and again, it, it, it would almost be counterintuitive for him. If he did say something negative about Thibodeau, because he doesn't seem like the type of person to be playing g- games uh, to your point. But from what I understand, they love Thibodeau, the lions and whether that starts with with, whether that starts with campbell and you saw the pick you saw the clip of our very own james salinas talking about in colorado trying to get down over and over on thibodeau to go to overall to the lions so i i don't know if he was hearing something as well but that's what i heard i heard campbell loves
2: thibodeau if you if you well, find something different... I mean, you can hear both ways. I, I think you just have to ignore it. Uh, there, Thibodeau is, is a polarizing figure in this draft in the sense people either love him or they hate him, right? Right. So he's the Makai Parsons of this draft. I mean, that was the way it was with Parsons last year. Say whatever you want about Parsons. Parsons was not viewed as... a. I mean, he went 12. He slid down the board. And if you watch the Penn State tape, when he was there, he was as dominant as any player, you know, from a school that produces linebackers. So... You know, I, I don't know what to make of it, but Thibodeau has the skill set that the Lions need, which is a pass rusher and versatility where I think he could stand up and play some 34 if he wanted to.
3: Well, remember, Parsons sat out that COVID year and there were off the field concerns, right? So that's what I was going to ask you walking in. And I was thinking, you know, Jameson Williams to me is he's the most explosive wide receiver in this group. Some have said that this group is being overvalued. Uh, but how would you handle that in the front office when you know he's going to miss most of his rookie season? But when you get the Alabama wide receiver, he's so explosive. How would you handle that? Because he's going to be a high draft pick.
2: Well, I mean, most of these guys are not going to have the impact on the team anyway. So, like, what do we care about the first six to eight games? We care about the guy being a great player. That's really what matters. The career matters more. We've got to do what lies Currently, as opposed to you know where is going down the field, we can't get so preoccupied with tomorrow and the next day. We've got to see slightly down the road, and I think that ultimately he can do that. You know, we know this. I do know this. Campbell and Brad Holmes went out to Oregon to spend time with Thibodeau after the combine.
3: They did. Okay.
2: And so you know that they. So if if you're getting on an airplane and you're Dan Campbell and you're going out there, it's, you want to find out information, and so. I don't know if anybody's directly quoted him as saying he doesn't like them. There's a lot of quotes out there that says he does like them. So you may be right. No, it
3: wouldn't surprise me to your point. If there wasn't like, again, this is a game of subterfuge gamesmanship chicanery, right? You could call it deceit or teams being cagey, but like you've said a million times on this show, don't believe anything because it's, it's all gamesmanship. So it's fascinating. I mean, it is, that is a huge shift in the market for Trayvon Walker that indicates He's on his way to Jacksonville. When we come back, Thomas Gable joins us. Or is he on his way to Jacksonville? Who the hell knows?
1: You're listening to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
3: Okay, so the VEASAN spring special is here for 59 bucks. You get everything VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. I've been talking about this all week, and this is a great deal because you get Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. You get Jonathan Von Tobel's best bets throughout the NBA finals and through the finals, pardon me. Andy McNeil's sunshine uh, as far as the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you get picks every single day in three sports. Plus, you got NFL preseason coverage. We're covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR. It's all there. It's the full VSIN experience for 59 bucks. It's a great deal. VSIN.com slash spring. It's com slash spring. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher. Michael will be in Vegas sooner than later. We head out tomorrow. Yeah, he's going to be here tomorrow. tomorrow. Are you um, looking forward to it? You're you're obviously flying in. Is uh, Emily going to make
2: the trip with you? Absolutely. Yeah, we're all going out and, you know, so it's, of course, you got to see the, you got to see the King. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's a, well, they've you know.
3: renamed this. It's, it's lost Dominic here. Now it's not Las Vegas. Anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's still staying back. Oh, he'll he'll he? take over soon yeah, enough. He'll, yeah.
3: He'll, he'll rule. He'll run this town. Uh, the man that runs Atlantic City is Thomas Gable. He joins us. He runs the race and sports book there at the Borgata, our buddy. And uh, we say, hi, Thomas. How'd it go ask yesterday? Him, ask well, okay. him what he thinks. Ask about Philly?
2: Before, I mean, l- yeah, well, let him go over the rundown, but let's see what he thinks about this.
3: About the, the draft or Philly? You tell me. I'll, I'll ask you know
2: him. What I You know what I want to know Okay, about let's Philly. ask
3: him about. So Michael says the Raptors are coming back. If they win tonight, it's a wrap. Thomas Gable, nobody knows the area better than you two. What's your take on that?
0: Uh, yeah, so, we, I mean, we we touched on this a little bit yesterday, and, you know, Michael's, I think, spot on with how he's thinking, listen, this is, I think for people who aren't from this area, it, it's a little maybe absurd to say, oh, well, you know, how can the Sixers fans be thinking this way? You know, they're they're up 3-1, they were up 3-0, there, there's no way they're going to lose this series, but... When you look at everything, that all the signs that are kind of pointing this way, the, the Embiid injury, Doc Rivers' history in the playoffs, if the Sixers lose tonight and they go back to Toronto, I'm telling you, there there's going to be panic setting in here in Philadelphia about this team. There absolutely is. Right now there's some tightness. If they lose tonight, it's going to be magnified times 10, in the next game when they go back to Toronto, and then times 100 when it comes back for Game 7. And uh, so what Michael has expressed, I, I think, is just it's, it's something that all Sixers fans, I believe, are kind of uh, worrying about right now. And so, Michael, here's my question to you. If, and this is kind of a tricky spot because, you know, the game obviously in Philly tonight, Sixers are big favorites here, you know, pretty much seven and a half, eight across the board. If you believe, though, that the Raptors do have a chance to win this series, uh, you know, right now the series price, you can get them at 20 to 1. So I think that's probably a, a decent bet to make. If you if you do believe that the Raptors have a chance, 20 to 1, I think, because even if you, I guess, do the math here, where if you would just uh, kind of roll over the money line each one, I don't – so they're plus 275 tonight on the money line – um, if they win that, and then you probably for game six, it'll probably be about even money in Toronto. And then game seven, uh, if it goes to game seven, you'd probably be looking at plus 120 to plus 140 range for game seven. So I think you'd probably be better off doing the 20 to one there mm-hmm. um, in the future price than, than rolling it over in, in the money line for the Raptors. So I, I I don't know. I mean, I think if you're if you're confident there, or, or I'm saying if you're not confident in the Sixers, maybe take that twenty to one price right now.
2: Well, I mean, you read my mind. I was going to ask you: it, it, is would it be better to play the twenty to one or to just to play the money line every during the week? You, you know, like would you be better off doing yeah. that and seeing from there? I, I, I mean, because I think I think this is the game where I, I think you should do both. I think you play the money line in this game and play the future. And then, you know, obviously, if they don't win this game, you lose two bets, but you still have a chance to kind of double dip now if they win this game. So that would be my strategy. I would double it. I would play the money line, and I would play a future small, you know, and figure out, okay, I got a chance to win both. And if I lose a little bit of money on both, then I'll, I'll go on to the next series
0: yeah i think the twenty to one will get you a better return than uh just looking at the numbers and where where you think uh again i mean you have to look at where you think the uh the lines are gonna be but i mean it's you can pretty much uh set them right now for uh six and seven barring obviously barring some sort of major injury uh to a to a player on either side
3: and how are the how are the bets uh Being handled there, I got eight on the board, and I have the total jumping up about a half a point off the two eleven. What's going on there at Atlantic City at the Borgata?
0: Yeah, we're at two eleven and a half. Uh, We are getting some Sixers play here. Um, uh, We're still seven and a half with the Sixers. Certainly could could move up, but uh, you know it's it's still early. We'll we'll wait to see how things come in. Long way between now and and eight p.m. tonight locally. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I certainly would expect to see some Raptors money here. We we saw a lot of Raptors money in Game 4. And, you know, the big difference there, I think, between Philly in Game 1 and 2, which they dominated, they only had 17 turnovers combined in Games 1 and 2. And that's something people aren't talking about in Games 3 and 4. Philly turned the ball over 37 times in Games 3 and 4, 16 in Game 4 there. And just a massive difference there in um, in ball protection uh, between those uh, between in Philly and in Toronto. So if Philly can take care of the ball tonight, I think they yeah they have a great shot. But turnovers, I think, is really something that uh, has turned this series.
2: You know, and I I think too with, with Embiid's thumb. When he gets the ball in the low post and the doubles come, they've been in Toronto. They were getting they were stripping the ball away from him. He had six turnovers in the first first ten minutes of the game. I mean, he was a turnover machine in the first game. That was before the thumb. And I think in the second, they've got to be careful. I mean, look, I think Doc has to adjust what's going on here just so that he knows the double's coming in there. But that they, when they take the ball away, when they turn the ball over and they win the offensive rebounding, Philly doesn't have an answer. The first two games, they didn't. The next two, they did. They just didn't win one of those games. That's why I'm thinking if you're Toronto, you're Nick Nurse is telling his team, look, guys, this, we're 2-2 here. All we got to do is go out and win this game.
0: Yeah, but Michael, Michael, how confident are you that Doc is going to have an adjustment for that? I mean, all I, I wouldn't but.
2: be, I wouldn't be telling everybody to play the the money line or the uh, or the or the future if uh, if I was confident at all. You know, I'm not confident at all. I, I I think it's the perfect storm. He's, you know, I mean, we saw him play well in the first two games, but you and I have lived through the history of this uh, this franchise, and things tend to go badly. And and look, last year, 0-2, the Milwaukee Bucks were down 0-2, and it changed. A game can change a series.
3: I mean, you two, are you flying the flags at half-mast there at the Borgata? You two are depressing me. What is happening here, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> like, we have reality. I have we're no trying dog to in this get fight. You, I have no dog in this fight.
2: We're trying to get you up to reality. <laughs> I know. I got
3: you. Um, well... That is a very doom and gloom look at the 76ers. They are laying a big price. They're laying eight. a big number tonight. What's the money line just randomly? Is it close to three and a half? Uh, for
0: the Sixers, for the money line tonight, yes. Uh, three and a half. Yep.
3: Okay. three fifty. How about Boston and, and Brooklyn? Where are you sitting up and down as far as the side and total? So Nets, Nets playing, uh,
0: point and a half here, and um, you know, this is totals two nineteen and a half. I think the Nets are just, uh, I think everybody's done with the Nets at this point, and uh, <laughs> for, a, for a team that has, uh, you know, they, they were the favorite to win it all at the beginning of this season, and the way that this season has played out between the Harden uh, trade, Irving sitting out so many games, uh, and now here in the playoffs, and that obviously with Ben Simmons, who we won't see at all this year, which uh, no surprise there that he's not going to play in this game. I mean, I, I don't know what the point of even announcing that he was going to play in game four was. It, it's just a little ridiculous at this point. I think to just get this series over with and let the Celtics move on. My man it's got paid. He
2: got paid what? a whole – he got paid how much, Michael? Well, got out $20 out million he it's like $38 million, but $20 million he hasn't gotten. I mean, it's in arbitration. So, you know, it's going to yeah. have to go through some to, to get through all that. But, I mean, one way or the other, I mean, he's ripped off a fra- two franchises now. I'm not saying he doesn't have a hurt bad back. But, I mean, you know, when, when the Nets start to wonder, we thought he was going to play. And then he shows up the next morning with a back injury like, you know. Like, I was going to call Paulie Walnuts and have him taken to a sauna. Like, I mean, that's what happened with Big Puss. He had to go check his back.
3: If you if you were paying, um, well, you're paying your ticket counters uh, there at the Borgata, but if your ticket counter just decided not to show up, would they still be employed at the Borgata, Thomas?
0: No, of course not. Of course not. We all need to show up. We all need to put in work if, if we're getting paid. Uh, he's, he's one of the few people, I guess, uh, in this country that can uh, – not have to put in the work and get, still get his paycheck. God bless him.
3: Just got 20 seconds. Dallas, are you sitting three off the two and a half opener with the ju- uh, Jazz in town?
0: Yeah, yeah so Mavs uh, laying the three now at home tonight to total 212.5, and the Mavs are uh, getting bet here. Um, majority of ticket count and money is on the Mavs.
3: Okay, Thomas, Borgata, you can hear taps playing over the loudspeaker all day at the Borgata. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Thomas. Appreciate it. Will, Will Hill is next here on the Lombardi Line.
1: to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi now once again here's Patrick Maher
3: discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbook sign up today 200 bucks uh, you place a $10 wager on any N- NBA playoff game so to make this simple place a $10 money line wager on any game tonight anybody hits a three you're going to win 200 bucks if you're a new better got to use the bonus code vsin 200 over at BetMGM. it's that simple uh, make sure you check it out. You got to be 21 years or older. And if you have a gambling problem, it's 1 800 Gambler. As we welcome you back here, Michael Lombardi. There, I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's Beaston the Sports Betting Network. We welcome in our buddy Will Hill, New York City Cast, slash podcast So as we left you yesterday, you and Michael were beefing because you were bombarding him with text messages. Shocker on Saturday <laughs> about the draft. And I said, are you going to take it easy on the big guy yesterday, which was Sunday? What's the answer?
1: I've laid low. I've let let sleeping dogs lie. Don't pet the tiger. You know, we still got a few days for the no, draft. that's not I'm true.
2: Probably sh- not true. Midway through the first quarter, he said Golden State's playing horrible. Like, he was going to go start coaching Golden State's team. Like, I'm getting, it's, it's early. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, was so quick to take on the coach. You better get yourself up to Brooklyn tonight to help them out. That's what I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now.
1: What about Philly? I mean Philly, I mean I'm sure you're you're very confident you here that the Philly. Sixers will close it. You out
2: can't help Philly. <laughs> he's he's coming back even 20 to 1. Even a man of your many talents, even a man of your many talents can't help Philly.
1: He's
3: going uh, to bet on 20 he's going to bet the Raptors 20 to 1 on the series now. He's all in. I know, he was calling a- and me and yesterday. Wanna, What's wanna, the price on the Toronto? Futures. Let's
1: get down on Toronto.
3: Yeah, I mean nobody nobody wants to do it. Well, I'm glad that you there's kind of a a detente between the two of you as we move forward. Don't you'll get a barrage to. Hey, Will can't help himself. You're going to get a barrage of texts tonight when he's watching Toronto and Philly. You're going to get hammered, and that's what we love about Will. Will um, takeaways from yesterday. Did anything stand out? Golden State went up, and then that Barton corner three was essentially the death knell, and Denver advances,
1: or they don't advance, but you know they stay alive. Yeah, and I think Jokic is the rightful MVP, but not too often you see an MVP that has to be subbed out at the end of these games. But uh, he did a hell of a job calling out the lob, and you know it, it's tricky when a series is three zero. You never know. Sometimes these teams down three zero roll over. Give Denver credit; they showed a lot of heart, just like Toronto showed a lot of heart on uh, on Saturday. I don't think I've ever seen Curry miss four free throws in the same game. That was uh, that was pretty bizarre. But that one's uh, still a foregone conclusion. I would think Warriors probably wrap that up in five. Although look, that series is pretty close to being two, two Denver had their chance Thursday to win that game, but you figure golden state wraps that up in five uh, Lombardi. I do have the next daily coach for you. You got to do a daily coach on this kid. Alvarado, he's not drafted, awesome. not even recruited. Not- he sits there. He hides, he hides like he's like a plant or something. He just hides on the court and then sneaks up and steals the ball. That team's fun between Herb Jones and Alvarado. That team's got I mean, I think Phoenix probably ultimately wins that series, but it's not easy. They are really just kind of a pest, and boy, they're fun to watch.
2: They really are. They really are. I mean, and look, you're not allowed to get players. If you don't have a top five pick, you know, this will, uh, and I,
3: I, can we, the, those that continue to compare Chris Paul to Isaiah Thomas, let me explain something, Isaiah Thomas oh. in a game four like that would never, never melt down like Chris Paul does. I mean, he's a. Brilliant player. He's one of the all times great all time greats. Will Hill. He is not Isaiah Thomas to be fair.
1: He is a great player, but boy, you could tell Alvarado was getting under his skin and a little taste of his own medicine because Paul thrives on being a past kind of baiting the rafts, tricking the rafts, embellishing contact. And then you have Alvarado there just, you know, infuriating, getting under his skin. He kind of met his match there.
3: Yep, hundred percent. Okay, tonight we'll start in Brooklyn. As Michael mentioned, Brooklyn's still laying a point. I got a couple of pickums on the board, two twenty on the total. What do you got?
1: Boy, I I really I want no piece of this Nets team. And like I said, when it's 3-0, it's a bit of a tricky scenario. This Boston team is just so much more athletic. They're they're like a football team. They're physical, they're big, they're athletic. Uh, my sense is the nets would win this game tonight. Uh, you figure Durant's going to play a little better. I do like Durant over 30 and a half points might be 29 and a half 30, something like that. You figure if nothing else, Durant's going to go down swinging, get 25, 28 shots up. It's almost the worst worst. Look, if you shoot, you know, the ball nine, 10 times as opposed to, you know what, if you shoot the ball 25, 28 times and you miss, you live with it. I I do think Durant will go down swinging here. That being said, I, I really don't want much to do with this Brooklyn team, uh, Boy, Boston, you got to just defensively, I know at least the gold standard for me in the time I've been watching basketball the last you know, 25 years or so, the 0-4 Pistons are kind of the gold standard. I don't know if this Celtics team is quite on that level, but boy, they are just ferocious defensively.
2: And they get better. I mean, they get better. And, and again, I, I keep saying this, but I don't think Nash has an answer. There's been no, there's been no way to offset it. I think the matching matchup in the coaching is as much the problem as anything. And you know, I think that's created us, and so it's not going to go away. And I think each game the Celtics do. It. Tatum's done such a remarkable job of really creating so many problems for Durant, and Durant doesn't have an answer, and he can't look to his bench to get one. We'll start
3: with the. Well, we should have started here, but you, you like you do like the Raptors catching the eight tonight, will?
1: I do. I think it'll be a tight game. Now look, no Van Vliet. I I do think Barnes was limited. If you saw him the other day, he only took six shots. Four of them were from three. He wasn't really attacking, but look, Toronto won the game the other day. They only shot eight of uh, 34 from three. I think it was, they still won the game. Uh, You know, look, I think it was 16 to nine in terms of offensive rebounds for the Raptors. I I think that'll be a little better for Philly, but look, Embiid, whether it's the thumb, it's always something with Embiid and Lombardi, you were the first one on this. You're a hundred percent, right? You've been right about this forever. Whether it's the thumb, blaming the refs, whining about not winning the MVP, it's always something with him. So I don't know that Embiid's 100% physically. Maybe not mentally at this point. Uh, I thought that was a really bad look. I don't know that I got enough attention. Crying about the refs after the game, like there's this grand conspiracy from the league to push it from a four-game series to a five-game series in the first round. This game is on NBA TV on a Monday night tonight, Game Five. It's not like some ratings bonanza here. This idea that oh well, the refs did their job to get this back to Philadelphia. Give me a break. I mean. I don't know. I like Toronto. I think it'll be close. I don't really trust Philly here. I do think they'll probably close it out, but uh, I like the, the Raptors here plus the eight.
2: You know, I think eight's a lot. I mean, you know, considering especially, you know, he's got the thumb and, you know, last game they didn't shoot. The, I mean, they didn't shoot well, They but yet they shot 41% from the three-point line. I mean, that's the only way they were in the game. And their energy level, which was to me the most disturbing part of the game, they had no energy. They didn't play with a team. That had that wanted to knock out the series. They turned the ball over 15 times. They give up all those offensive rebounds, and so to me, unless they change the the really the reason when Maxi scores 11 points, you know he's four or 12 from the field. I mean that really killed him and that hurt him. And Embiid and Harden had nine of the nine of the 16, nine of the 15 turnovers. 20, excuse me, nine of the 15 turnovers they both had.
3: Yeah, Maxi's worst game by far that game four. Next up. Dallas, open two and a half. It's three everywhere. I see a couple three and a halves popping up.
1: What are you doing with this one, Will? I like Dallas. I'm surprised the love for Utah on the market. I mean, that game, it was eight and a half on Thursday. okay. Luca was out. But then it's still five and a half six on Saturday when we knew Luca was playing. Very strange how much love uh you know the market betters have for this jazz team they really struggle to defend. You know, they're like a football team that can't stop the run. So when you can't stop the run, you can't stop the pass. All these other problems sort of spring up. I, I think Lombardi always make the point curly in the boat. When you have one hole, you try to plug it. Another hole pops up. They just can't defend yeah. on the ball. You know, you can attack Mitchell. You can attack Conley Bogdanovich. They just don't have any great perimeter defenders. Uh, now I think Luca coming back that gave Utah a, uh, someone to hunt defensively, but Dallas is a little more stagnant. Now look, you'd always rather have Luca on the court than off the court. Maybe they post them up a little more tonight and adjust that way. But I have to like Dallas here. I would think they win this game. To me, they've been the better team in this series.
2: Yeah, I mean, they got a 55. You got a five point, four point lead with 55 seconds left to go in the game. I mean, you got to find a way to do that. And, you know, is Gobert going to get to the free throw line 18 times again? I mean, you know, you got You can't foul. They fouled way too much in that game. They were fortunate. The only reason they were able to stay in it is because Utah was so poor shooting free throws, they shot 62% from the line. Uh, but they can't foul as much as they did. De- Dallas has got to play better defense, control the ball, and not foul. They-, they can't foul as much as they did. And if they do that, and if Dimwitty can play to the way he's typically played in the series, I think they can win this.
3: Any thoughts uh, about a minute here, Will? Any thoughts on Trayvon Walker flipping the market there as far as the NFL draft number one overall?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Usually, with this draft stuff, I remember Lance got bet late and somebody knew something. Maybe somebody knows something. It's very unusual to have basically we've had like three or four different favorites to be the number one pick all in the same draft cycle. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's when you play and having multiple outs is so important for the draft. My guess is there's something behind it. I'm curious what you guys think.
2: I just know this. I think there's something behind it, too. I think think there's got to be something happening. Some, You know, because, look, that organization is in tight lip. There are a lot of people talking down there. Something gets out.
3: I mean, it's up to 180 at another shop here. So, uh, you know, 150 this morning, now up to 180. There is some smoke and fire here. I know this. You are getting back in the uh, big guy's good graces with that 76er rant. That was your way of being like, hey, bro, we're good, right? Because I'm going to go on an anti-76er rant. That's what that was, Will Hill.
2: doesn't take much. You just got to observe. If you observe and and have an open mind, you can see exactly what's going on. Thank you, Will. No (laughs) No
3: change. It's to remember, tonight is the game. 70, if the Raptors win tonight, it's a lock. On NBA TV, too, by NBA the way. On TV. NBA TV. Can't
2: wait. Will Hill, New York City I cast. don't even get it on NBA TV. i got to watch it on Philly Comcast. Well, I
3: heard, you're going to be sitting on the wood. That's the rumor. We could. <laughs>